2: Welcome to part two of this week's Clash of the Titles, the podcast that pitched two movies with loads in common in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. On Monday's episode, we were trapped on a farm with Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix, which was scary because of aliens as we talk 2002 signs, which means today we're on the run as Steven Spielberg sends Tom Cruise sprinting across the US dodging tripods and Tim Robbins in 2005's War of the Worlds. 8.30? We said 8 o'clock. Get a hug?
1: Robbie's got a paper, but she's yet to begin.
2: I just gotta type it up. You just
1: gotta start writing it first.
2: Take care of our kids. You got nothing to worry about. That is so weird. The wind is blowing toward the storm. It's okay. Lightning doesn't strike twice. (laughs) So, which film in this week's Alien altercation will be victorious? We'll have a winner at the end of this episode. So let's get it on. Welcome to Clash of the Titles.
0: Please, the Kraken.
2: Hello, Clash butters. Hi, I'm Cheryl, and this is my daughter Nora. I'm also Alex Zane.
0: I'm <laughs> I'm
2: Chris Tilly. <laughs> And welcome to part two of this week's Clash of Signs takes on War of the Worlds. What a fight! And as you well know, we'll have a winner at the end of this very episode. But before we get going with part two and discussing War of the Worlds, it is time for another dip into the digital mailbag and a weekly review from one of you read
1: by Chris Tilly, a.k.a. a Chris Thrilly. Uh This review comes from Johnny Two Times and it's entitled Jeopardy. Masquerading as a podcast about films, lift the veil slightly and you see one man's unwavering belief that only he understands how to make the perfect piece of audible entertainment. Enter the two kids at the back of the bus, trying at every turn to disrupt this carefully crafted podcasting format, frustrating the podmaster, yet making it more entertaining with every deviation. We get this conflict until he exasperatingly insists they move on. (laughs) That's creating the jeopardy they so often look for in the films they review. Or maybe he wants to be disrupted, and in a Kaiser Soze-style twist, he's been in control and making the perfect pod all along. Five star. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Jeopardy. <laughs> the podmaster.
0: Mm. Are you assuming he's talking wow. about you? <laughs> no, no, the podmaster.
1: Yeah.
0: Who is that? I don't know. It's not me. <laughs> it's him. He knows, he knows, knows me.
1: Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Johnny, two times. Uh, we do our best, or at least I do.
2: Well, on the subject of Jeopardy, thank you, Johnny, two times. We do have Jeopardy this week. Both films, 75% on Ron Tomatoes. Both films we clearly quite like. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You yep. words in your mouth, yep, yep, but yeah, yep, yep. all right. Well, let's see who our winner will be on Monday. We had a mel of a time with signs, but today can Tom Cruise to victory with War of the Worlds? Let me take you on a journey. Ray is living his best life, driving his sweet car, fixing up engines and telling Manny the mechanic how to do his bloody job. But into this paradise are thrust his kids, Rachel, whose scream can explode dogs, and Robbie, who despite his indie boy haircut, wants to fight everything. (laughs) So, is it any surprise that when aliens arrive, Ray wants to deposit these kids with their mum so he can actually survive? Mum, however does not want them back. She's got a new kid on the way with Rich Tim, so spends the entire movie holed up in her parents' mansion in Boston, making zero attempt to get her offspring back and leaving Ray to have to kill Tim Robbins on his own for no reason. (laughs) Eventually, though, through sheer willfulness, Ray gets to Boston, tells a soldier how to do his bloody job and returns (laughs) the children to mom, who pretends she wanted them all along to save face. The end. (laughs) Clash butters for your consideration, war. Of the world. Uh, so, histories of this movie. Chris?
1: Well, this was like the biggest film of the year, wasn't it? Spielberg and Cruise making another movie together. So, yeah, big deal. So I went and saw it at the cinema and was very entertained, just like it was with science. Mm-hmm. Uh, fourth biggest movie of the year. Well, we, can,
2: we can do this bit now, but it's the fourth biggest movie of the year. Does anyone want to guess At the three movies at the box office... Star Wars. Correct, that is Star Wars 3, Revenge of the Seath. Oh, no, I don't God. care.
0: Come on, it's 2005. Oh, my God, what were we doing in 2005? Hero, is Harry? Oh, Harry Potter. <laughs> and the Goblet and of the Fire. And the Goblet of Fire. <laughs>
2: yeah, well done. And this one surprised me, but just above this at the box office, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, The Witch and the mm. Wardrobe. I never realised that was such a big film.
0: I thought it bombed, as in, you know, not bombed, but it didn't make back what they hoped.
2: I think one of the later ones did, that probably put an
1: end to that franchise. Maybe it was Voyager the Dawn Treader. But you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like, not the literal biggest film no. yet, but this felt like the biggest movie release of
2: Spielberg the year.
0: Spielberg, sure. Cruise, massive alien invasion movie. Big story. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. V, your history.
0: Well, like you say, it's massive, so this is the first time I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> of course, It just passed me by. I don't know. I think I read... Just some sniffy reviews that were like, meh, you know, it's not what you expect. It's not, you know, Tom Cruise does his running, but he's trying to play this kind of deadbeat dad. And it just passed me. All the fuss I remember was about Dakota Fanning and how incredible she Mm -hmm. is. That was a big big story. A big deal. And I just didn't see it. So there we go.
2: First watch. Yeah. On your own or with uh, with Mark?
0: On my own. So I had to think then. Yeah. Yeah. He was a (laughs) sorry... That's troubling. Yeah, he could have been there. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> is it too scary for the kids still? Oh, I think they will find it a bit boring.
2: Okay, because weirdly, like it's like a lot of people were like,
1: "This is a PG thirteen. This was yeah, like really frightening. pushing the yeah. uh, the envelope as to what a PG thirteen. This be. is a, this, this is a full on horror film. Hmm? Signs is like half a horror film. This is full on horror." I mean my history with this so I've never read the H G Wells 1898
2: novel uh, but my first encounter with War of the Worlds um when I was about 5 or 6 I was hob obsessed obsessed with the vinyl that my mum had of <laughs> Jeff Wayne's musical version of War of the Worlds like literally it both Fascinated me and absolutely terrified me in equal measure. Yeah, the chances of anything <laughs> coming from Mars are a million to one. He said, mm-hmm. "Ooh la!" <laughs> Shouting oola terrified me. <laughs> loved it, loved it. And I see what they did here, replacing it with foghorns. But if those tripods had gone oola, <laughs> I'd have been like, oh, yes, nice. <laughs> and so when I went to see this at the cinema, I was very, very, very excited.
1: And end scene, we'll discuss that. So In if we're script. going way back, I read the book when I was a kid. Okay, I saw the 50s film when I was a kid. Mm. And then when the I don't know what year it was, but Empire put a cassette on the front cover of the Orson Welles radio play that the Mercury Theatre did to Mm. fill the world. So every reader of Empire got a copy of that show. So I listened to that, which was mind-blowing. The first (laughs) half of that is just incredible. And, you know, it's the famous... Um, version of this story that hoaxed half of America, that people thought aliens were really here, and it was way ahead of its time in mm. terms of sort of spoofing the news. It was the ghost watch of its era. It was. Yeah. And this is
0: the thing if you did a media A level in the late 90s, like we did, did you? I did.
2: I did not know I did biology how chemistry did, and physics.
0: How did you end up <laughs> doing I'm a, like I'm like M
2: night Shyamalan. Yeah, I, I, a ba- BA. I basically I spend every day wondering whether I should have been a doctor. Yeah, mm. fair enough. <laughs>
0: well, anyway, you your first every, day Every day that I'm on this podcast. Your yeah. first day of like media A level, all they talk about is War of the Worlds and you're like 17, 16, you've got no idea what they're going on about like what is it? But it's meant to be mass hysteria and the power of the media and mm. that's how you learn about and them. nearly
1: as good as the show is the public apology yeah. that Orson Wells does because it's so you can hear him taking the piss you can it's, hear he doesn't believe in what he's saying it
2: is the uh, Johnny Depp Amber Heard
1: Australian government hostage yeah. video <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, except it's <laughs> funny it's yeah. funny you know yeah. we're very sorry that everyone believe these Martians <laughs> it's like he's it's taking a piss <laughs> yeah. um, the only version I don't know really is the one that you that, that, probably the most famous one mm. the, that, that the album the 30 I think it was something like the 32nd most best-selling album in the history of the UK. Yeah, okay. It's a massive deal. But when you think how long ago H.G. Wells wrote it, I've I've called it the Alan Partridge of sci-fi horror because it's a great concept that then very successfully reinvents itself In new forms of media each time, just like Alan does. Oh, my God. And I went to see the the Jeff Wayne's uh, stage musical
2: version, the production of this, which was great, even though it features Richard Burton's disembodied
1: head (laughs) narrating it as he does on Jeff Wayne's version. It's fantastic. I would recommend the stage show. Isn't Liam Neeson doing it now? Didn't they replace him with Neeson? Uh, yes, yeah. The second I we... one I saw, yeah, they did. I saw burn, the only one oh, i I
0: did the VR one and the Martians fire at you and you've got to run away from it. Again, keeps reinventing I know. itself. VR, it's yeah, it's mad.
1: Like Alan Partridge.
2: <laughs> but also with this, like, ever since we talked about E.T. and or, ever since when I first became aware that E.T. was originally going to be this dark alien story mm. and through Close Encounters, all of these, I was like, I cannot wait to see Steven yes. Spielberg handle scary aliens. Yeah. So this was very, very excited to go to the cinema and see this. Um, you've covered a lot of my research, which is great, Chris. Uh,
1: <laughs> um, we didn't really touch on the 1953 version. Yeah. Did you enjoy that? I did, yeah. Mm. I really liked those 50s sci-fi movies when I was a kid. There was fuck all on the telly back then. <laughs> and so they, you'd have these films on BBC <laughs> Two at lunchtime, and they were good, and they were, I mean, they were a bit dated, but they were really frightening as well, really frightening. And and, and there's little, I haven't seen it in a long time, but you can see the little nods to it all over this film. Mm. I mean, just to go back to the Orson Welles radio play version, they have sort of
2: retroactively gone. Actually, we're not sure the hysteria was quite as widespread sure, as people yeah. claim
1: because people the- at the time were saying mobs are on the street. Yeah. and The were- person who mainly said it was hysteria on the streets was Orson Welles. <laughs> yeah. He very much enjoyed the story yeah. of the story. Yeah, he was a very good self-publicist. He was, because he did a lot of the voice. I mean, he didn't really write it, I don't think. His Mercury Theatre, it looks like Citizen Kane. There was a lot of people involved in this production, but um, he was fronting it. Well, that brings us to this version. So, after Minority Report, Spielberg and Cruz, who loved working together,
2: were looking for a new project. Cruz suggested War of the Worlds, which Spielberg loved the idea of, because he says he wanted to make a scary alien invasion movie with really scary aliens more on that last point to come. He said, for the first time in my life, I'm making an alien picture where there is no love and no attempt at communication.
1: (laughs) It's it's a very cynical movie, isn't it? Yeah, it really
2: is. Mm. And uh, I don't want to say too much, but that is slightly where... I was a bit surprised with what I got because it was
1: so different to what I expected Spielberg to do with an alien movie. You can't believe it's the same bloke who made E.T. No. But great, because everyone gave him shit for making E.T. over and over again or, or being too sentimental. So he was like, fuck all that, until the last two minutes. (laughs) Screenwriter Josh Friedman, uh, who is currently rewriting
2: 2025's new Fantastic Four movie before jetting off to meet James Cameron on Pandora to work on Avatar 4 and 5. This is his debut feature credit, but it was rewritten quite a lot by our friend from the Shadow episode, which I'm sure he's thrilled as his moniker now, David Quepp. So Spielberg loved kept script. uh, Oh, really?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I want the guy who wrote Jurassic Park. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And Can you make it about a male protagonist who doesn't want to be a dad? (laughs) Again, Uh, just just not as good. (laughs) Yeah, he said it brought in a a few
2: personal things to him, including the divorce of his parents and his own uncertainty after the devastation of the September 11 attacks. Uh, He did make a big change, though, uh, Spielberg, after receiving the script, uh, which was take out the aliens arriving in spaceships. Okay. He was like, that's done done that so i want them to have buried the machines underground mm. millions of years ago no
0: one's found them more more on that <laughs> yeah <to write laughs> on. Uh,
2: <a> great visual <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> lots to unpack uh, yeah yeah it was nominated for a few oscars in the technical categories all of which it lost to peter jackson's king kong but it did beat it at the box office king kong number 5 this number 4 and i'd argue that this probably holds up as a better Watch. Uh, and finally, uh, just for me, and I guess for you guys, because I know how much you love that film, seventh at the big box office that year, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. <laughs>
0: It's
1: just a
2: shrug. I can't even remember it. (laughs) Uh, And for more on that, do revisit our Mr. and Mrs. Smith episode. Shall we get into this? Mm. Okay, we start off with the opening from Fight Club, kind of, uh, (laughs) which is really good. Pulling back from a a micro, micro, macro, micro, whatever, the ultimate microscopic level. And then we pull out and pull out and then... (sighs) The voice that you want to hear ushering in the end of the world, Richard Burton, <laughs> uh, the great Morgan Freeman, telling us all about men. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff.
0: Just rewrite it. Just put people. Not a big deal. Right,
2: so it's, uh, it's, I
0: knew you were going to say. I know exactly what you're going to say, and it doesn't matter. He's quoting. Um, quoting. It's quoting it, it H. G. Wells. Doesn't matter. It, H. G. Wells. <laughs> it's if he'd lived matter. now, would have said
2: people. That's not what he meant. In as he's saying, he's saying we were being a bit complacent, us men, don't know what you were doing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but with infinite complacency, men went to and fro about the globe, confident in their empire over this world. Yes pretty good
1: empire an interesting thing from the HG Wells <laughs> though is, is that when he's talking about um, the, the ending in the book yeah. he says it's the littlest things by God in his wisdom are the things that saved us and he regretted that for the rest of his life because he was an atheist mm. and by putting that word in it made it seem like God has saved us and he was gutted yeah. he was absolutely gutted because people could sort of him over the head with that, and he so was like, he, "No, yeah,
0: they do like, no God." He'd like an edit at this stage, yes. If he could, if he could tell. Yeah, me. I like the
1: way you wait to say that until Vicky took a big gulp of water.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Did you see? Me yeah, <laughs> oh,
1: perfect. I might just break <laughs> straight through. Yeah, not not Let not let her <laughs> have a repose.
2: <laughs> uh, but there is some wonderful language from H. G. Wells here, mm. uh, which is why you just really can't re-edit him. Uh, <laughs> yet across the Gulf of Space intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic regarded good. our planet with envious eyes oh yeah, my yeah, yeah. god yeah i love it love it it's it is it's great the com- the combination of cool and unsympathetic with envious you're like that is evil whatever is described as that is the worst of the worst and slowly and surely drew their plans against us. Dun-dun-dun! Dun-dun-dun! <laughs> <laughs> uh, we might have to play copyright. Oh. Careful. Sadly, that was quite good... Sadly, not that moment. Uh, and in fact, we don't get any score from John Williams for quite a while. In the meantime, we're going to meet blue-collar Ray Ferrier. Uh, crane driver? Could have been any blue-collar job. Uh, interesting that they make him a crane driver. It's quite specific. Is it because he doesn't freak out when he's quite high up on a tripod later? So
0: I did that thing I was like, his thing at the end should be that he's the best stevedore, he's the best crane operator in Mm. the world, and it kind of isn't. But I do like the fact that it's Tom Cruise, big movie star. He's not the best dad, obviously, Mm. so he's got to be the absolute best at doing the crane (laughs) thing, because even the doc person's like, I need you, Ray. He's like, union stuff, boss, sorry, I can't be god damn it, you're the best. You're the only
2: person who can move double (laughs) crates, three crates (laughs) at the same time. Which is
0: fine, you've gone to see a Tom Cruise, so he's got to be the best at something.
1: And you know full well that he definitely was operating that crane for real.
0: Yeah, (laughs) He will have learned how to operate (laughs) that crane.
1: Also, he's effectively... Uh, ferrying his children across America. So what do you think of his name, Vicky? Oh,
0: fantastic! I didn't even <laughs> know it oh, is
1: very good. Yeah. Love oh, that. Oh, I'm paying attention. Love Woo-hoo. it. Um, is, <laughs> but, he,
0: is he an everyman? Uh, it's a difficult one because uh, the, the car he drives, yeah. he's he's a bad dad, and that's brilliant. He's he actually does,
1: it. he gives very good bad dad, doesn't he, he? Throughout this film. He's a good bad dad. Really, it, it, there's a there's a likability to him always, I think, but here, like I mean, he, almost everything he does is horrible.
0: I mean, I love the fact that they're like, this guy's unreconstructed. Watch him eat hummus. <laughs> it's like you, you watch it. Now you're like, as if you don't like hummus. Right. Everybody likes as hummus. If you, as if you don't know what hummus is. <laughs> hummus, I mean, we're hummus reinforcing. But also, if you didn't know what was and you saw it, would you put it in your mouth? Like, what is it? Like, what is it? Minced garlic? Like, is it wallpaper peas? His,
1: his hummus rage is one of the most shocking things in this film. <laughs> yeah. It's and, and is his dislike of windows, a lot of window abuse in sure. this film. Oh, man, this is Spielberg in. I want to do a shot through this window and a shot through that window, and a shot we're gonna break uh, it's, it's Cracking up at the family here with the baseball. Uh,
2: what's funny though is the fact he's like he is the he's a kind of staple of Spielberg movies, which is as well as being a bad dad, he's a big kid. He's a kid who's Never yeah. grown up. Well, but they, they go
1: hand in hand here, though, don't they? He's he's more immature than his children, yeah, uh, which is a problem here
0: to the point where it, um, it becomes almost. Maybe it's a bit of its time, but you don't really buy like. Later on, when uh, Rachel is talking about a peanut allergy, and he's like, since when? And she's like, since birth. It's like, if it's if it's a peanut allergy, as we understand, it's probably quite dangerous. So do you really not know that about your daughter at all that you've tried to kill her with no, a that's sandwich? The, I
1: think that's the most unbelievable moment in the film. Yeah. yeah. That he doesn't know that he's... Well, I was going to bring it up later, but yeah, yeah. he's possibly going to kill his... Yeah. Daughter, yeah. if he's left alone with her, yeah, gives Dakota a great delivery of a great like birth. Yeah, it's like how can you
2: not know that? But yeah. you're
1: right. How can he but, not know that? But knowing Spielberg's feelings about his parents and their divorce, I don't know what his dad probably made of this film. <laughs> also, and uh, you know, God love
2: 2005 loves a pair of boot bootcut, cut jeans. Jeans.
0: Yeah. bootcut jeans. Oh bootcut god. jeans. Bootcut jeans. Yeah. Wow. I think they're coming back. You know. Oh my Watch god. Space.
2: I saw was what well, I looked at them with a sort of a misty-eyed
1: nostalgia. Yeah,
0: I didn't immediately discount them. Mm. I thought I could go there again. But
1: but speaking of Ray Ferrier, I'm also Ray, Rachel and Robbie. Yeah. The three R's. No. 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 Well, we've got Dakota Dakota's Rachel, Justin
2: Chatwin is Robbie and looks like a
1: young Tom Cruise. uh,
2: I can see him as his son. OK, I didn't spot that myself, but he is late to meet them despite driving his flash car like he's auditioning for Fast and the Furious. Yeah, which...
0: do you get paid that much as a crane operator? I nice. guess you do.
2: If he's fixing it up himself, though. Yes. So uh, his wife, Ann, arrives and goes straight to his fridge. Uh, now, a fridge is a very personal thing. Mm. I think it must be there to say he she used to live there. Yes. Because otherwise you don't go in a man's fridge.
0: A man's fridge. Isn't it because she knows he's got no food and she wants to say, look, you've got no food?
2: Sure, could be that. Robbie's got a paper on the French occupation of Algeria, uh, which is some pretty grim foreshadowing, having Mm. looked that up. So obviously the French very famously committed genocide by a lot of historians reckoning when they occupied Algeria, which is obviously what's going to happen in the movie. Massively interesting that they picked the French occupation of Algeria because when H. G. Wells wrote the book, he was talking about British colonialism mm. spreading throughout the world. And rather than mention a paper on us yeah. and our colonialism, they've gone, Oh, what can we do? Because we've got a special relationship with yeah. the UK. Yeah. So, so we're a key France, market, yeah. yeah.
1: he was supposed to specifically be be basing it on uh, how what the English did to the Tasmanians. Right. H. G. Wells was writing about. And also, I guess the undercurrent of of the plot and the finale is that In his time, the colonial exploiters would go to these places and then catch a tropical illness and die a painful death. This is what was happening to, you know, the white people that were exploiting all these countries. Mm. So, you know, it's it's all there in the book. That's right, and that's what he's
2: saying about the Martians. That in many ways, the red weed was British culture expanding throughout the empire, right. but then, as happens in the film, the red weed dies because the British culture would be undone by, whether it's tropical disease, people rising up, yeah. mm. whatever it wouldn't take in these uh, other places. Mm. Interesting. It's good stuff. Mm. It is. It's great stuff. So, Marianne leaves. Uh, now, in real life, Miranda Otto plays it. was pregnant, uh, so they incorporated that into the script, uh, which leads me to my question. When Ray says as she leaves, <laughs> that's a good look for you, about the baby bump, and she says, you think they have two kids? He's seen it before. Has he? <laughs> is it meant to be? Are we really ladling it on that thick that he wasn't there for either of the nine months she's pregnant because he's that bad a dad? No. Because she reacts nah, like, she that. genuinely reacts like, oh, you, you think that the thing that you could, you, well, how is that new information? I know
0: what you mean. I read it as... It reminded him of when she was pregnant with their kids, right. and he's saying, "I liked that time. That was a ni- we were all right then. That was a nice time." But yeah, I could you can read it that way as well.
2: I chose. To- love this scene the baseball scene oh it's great weirdly this is the scene that I remember most of all the scenes it's not my favourite scene but I think it's just a great scene the Boston Red Sox hat that his son puts on the sworn enemies of his favourite New York Yankees and then the increasing velocity with he's which he throws him, the ball him, but yeah.
0: it's, mad. it's
1: just a horrible thing for a dad to do it's hmm?
0: really really horrible um, and that's why it's good because it's like oh you're that kind of bad dad you know like he's hes trying to do him damage he's trying to prove a point and hurt his son it's very he's so insecure
1: yeah because <laughs> I think he throws it in the sun catches it and then he says oh well i wasn't even throwing it as hard as i can it's like
0: what, what kind of dad says <laughs> well, he, that yeah. no, he doesn't
1: even say that he says that's half
2: what i got really, yeah horrible? Like, like, threatening yeah <laughs> threatening so yeah uh we get uh we get rachel telling ray that's not how you're gonna get
0: through to him i hate this it's just he it does a spielberg thing like you do make the kids precocious and then kind of never do that again mm. I just find it. She's fine. She's she's an incredibly talented actor. You don't you don't need to make her do stuff like that. She doesn't need to be super cute, but don't make her have this preternatural sense of like talking like a grown up. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, although of
2: all the actresses of that age who can do that well, Dakota Fanning can do mm. it very very oh, yeah. well because well, she's
0: like from another planet. Mm. Well,
1: yeah. I was well, I was excited to see her in this. Yeah, because I'd watched this show Taken that Spielberg did where she played an alien, and she was like two three years younger than this, mm. and it was like. Oh, this is one of the best actors I've ever seen. (laughs) Who is uh, currently working on Equalizer
2: 3 with Denzel again. Oh, great. Yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, So, uh, 12 minutes, we get our inciting incident The Cloud in the Sky. It's weird. How weird? Glad you asked. The wind's going towards it. Cool. Don't know enough about weather to know whether that is really... <laughs> no, but I believed him. I was like, I'm well, that's, that's obviously bad. I was like, is that weird? All
0: right. This <laughs> film seems to be saying it's that's weird.
2: weird. <laughs> uh, but then, So then something that is weird is lightning striking the same place more than yeah. once. Um, I do like, at this point, the location. This is Bayonne in New Jersey where they shot this. And it's just a very iconic looking place with that huge bridge over the back and where Tom Cruise's house is situated. It's great. The power goes out. So this is uh, David Kwepp. Uh, He wanted to change the setting from the 19th century to the present day, but he says he also tried to take the modern world back to the 1800s, killing all the communication and the electricity. Mm. All the cars are broken. Manny the mechanic is at a loss. Try changing the solenoid, Manny, idiots.
0: <laughs> what does he try to change? The what? The solenoid? What's that?
2: So, in any car, do you want to know? I do. Okay, so are you sure cuz it was going to take about 10 minutes to explain? No
0: then. But oh, la- okay. but tell me later yeah, cuz I course. do want to know. Yeah,
2: and I definitely know and that wasn't a ruse. <laughs> so, <laughs> just, I want to know. You, and I know.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> cool.
2: Yeah, we're You're fine. Good. Yeah, but so, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely not say it on air. Okay, great. I'll say it in the pub. Yeah, all okay. right. It's
0: pri- It's definitely private, so.
2: Yeah, it okay. is, yeah. I mean, no one wants to talk about solenoids <laughs> on this podcast, uh, but they they are useful. So, <laughs> the introduction of the first tripod. I think this is fantastic. Um, when the ground cracks and that car falls in, mm. V, did it remind <laughs> you of the end of Ghostbusters?
0: Yes! <laughs> is it to say yeah, that, because <laughs> I it, I went. It's got a kind of cool Ghostbusters vibe. Yeah, it's the I don't know color palette, whatever it is, but it's just the crack. Like, every time, every time I see that, <laughs> no matter where,
2: it's great. The ground rises up, then sags, then collapses, mm. then opens up, and you get that awesome shot of the tripod appearing behind the trees, and it's in silhouette, and people are just standing around looking at this thing. What do you think of the tripod design, fam? Don't care, don't mind. Don't care. Right. Fine. Fine. Spielberg said he he, he describes them as really scary ballet dancers.
0: I don't see that, but...
2: I think it's the way they move.
0: Well, it will be.
1: (laughs) It's not how they're dressed. Yeah, they're not wearing a tutu. I mean, that's what it is.
0: But anyway, I don't see that. So. But, fine. but the
1: one that does the police aid later. Yeah. yeah,
0: that one. Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, it obviously looked better then than it does now. You just can't help with a film like this for the for, for the tech to date yep. On I think screen, he did
0: a good job. You you know what those tripods look like in your head. I I wasn't always scared of War of the Worlds because I just thought it was a bit old and and whatever. And he has done a good job of making them look menacing. And stuck to the faithful design and all the rest of it. So fine.
2: You never found War of the Worlds that scary?
0: No, I don't (laughs) know. No, I don't Terrifying. know why I didn't. I don't know. I think it's because when I was Did you really listen used... to the album? I uh, No, you apart about the VR thing, but because no. it's the, the thing. But because I was introduced to it primarily as this was a hoax, not hoax, you know, this was mass hysteria. This wasn't the scary thing that everyone thought it was. I think I just naturally thought it wasn't that scary. But that's specifically
2: the radio play. Yeah. What I need you to do okay. is go back to 1985 as yeah. a child sure. and listen to okay. the Jeff Wayne album. Oh, play to your children okay. now yeah. all right, go home and play to your children and watch their terror Okay, watch the terror on their faces <laughs> can't wait uh, and finally we get a bit of score we've had no score right up until this point and finally we get a bit of score as people are being turned to dust and we see the definite influences uh, from the nine eleven footage mm. that is seared onto all our
1: brains in the way this is shot there people running people covered in the dust yeah. uh, Tom and you've also couldn't... obviously got the damn plane and the wall of missing people as well later on like it's, mm. it's I mean it's the signs was literally shot in the shadow of it and then this one they had time to to actually write well we're going to actually write a movie about it but we're going to we're going to you know make it a science fiction entertainment rather than the actual story but it's all in there and it is quite disturbing to watch Mm -hmm. isn't it um Tom
2: Cruise, uh, more bad dad stuff, uh, he runs and he hides and he's standing there and then he sees another
1: man holding a child and he goes, fuck, I've got kids. Oh
0: my God, my kids are (laughs) (laughs) I better go
1: get them. (laughs) This this was a scene that amazed me the most. Watching Tom Cruise jump over those cracks and trying to figure out how he doesn't sprain his ankle. Yeah. And then watching the behind the scenes and realising there's not a single crack in this film. Everything there is computer generated, and it all looked real to me. I, I couldn't believe that there's none of those cracks. Right. It's, um, yeah, I, that, That's so the, the tripods. <laughs> no opinion on the tripods. No. <laughs> now <laughs> tripods, let's talk cracks. The tripods aren't doing anything for me, but those, those visual effects that I don't even know are there, that's when it's good, when it's hiding, hiding like that.
2: Yeah, no, I see, I see your point. I, I see your point. And uh, again, you know, the bit where the bridge explodes and trucks are crushing houses and stuff, it doesn't look as great as it would do where it made today. No. Um, but apparently they, they nailed cracks back then. So, <laughs> And I, I love crack. You love crack. <laughs> you love crack. It's um, mm, and And we've, we've done a great job of keeping you off it during the show. So that's, uh, that's a lovely thing. So, more bad parenting. He runs in and scares the shit out of his kids. <laughs> absolutely terrifies them Uh, and then they race to the car that Ray told Manny how to fix and we get Dakota Fanning's best moment where he's arguing with Manny and finally Ray loses it and goes Manny get in or you are going to die and like She's in the back seat and Rachel goes, what do you mean? And everything <laughs> explodes behind her and I'm like, oh, that's so good.
1: This is so good. When, when they are shooting that, when, they, when, when he's on the set and he's got that line and he's got that moment, he turns to Kathleen Kennedy, Spielberg does, and says, well, that's our Super Bowl advert.
2: I just shot it. And she's like, you're right,
1: that's it. Um, we actually
2: haven't got the budget, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah. Uh, so uh, they're on the move now. Uh, And Ray makes some very educated guesses uh, about these tripods. Uh, I hadn't thought of that, yeah. uh, The machine came from somewhere else like Europe. No, not Europe. That's funny. It is funny. (laughs) Uh, The machine was buried, but what operates it came down in the lightning storm. Now, that's... That's quite a big swing. It is, I um, hadn't thought. He's, mate, he's saying really important plot points, yeah, almost. Yeah. He's got a swing away at this point. <laughs> um, Rachel is losing her shit in the car. And God, I
0: would have kicked her out. Oh, thank you. I honestly would. That's the, that's the reason I don't drive anymore, is because no. with the three children in the back, they weren't screaming in terror, thankfully, but just constant screaming... You're bombing down the motor. I say bombing. I'm going at the speed limit. And I, like, <laughs> I cannot cope with this a second. I'm going to crash because you're, sh- you're yelling at me. And I can't do it. And she's screaming mm. too much.
1: On on the set, on the behind the scenes, she says, I do realise I've got a pretty loud, shrill scream. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and when we come back after
2: this break, we're going to arrive at Mum and Tim's house. Ooh. And so we're back. Now you're a fan of face acting, V. Sure. Don't you think Tom Cruise does some absolutely incredible face acting when he walks into their home and just looks at it?
0: What, because it's empty and the lights are on?
2: It's a comparison, Mm -hmm. I think.
0: think... Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, because he's like, oh, my house is a shithole. Yeah, but it's sort of
2: seen because...
0: Yeah, I mean, that and the fact that, like,
2: his where his wife's gone from being with yes. him to that, the difference in the quality of life that she has now and what yeah. this guy provides for her. and Like, you can read, he doesn't say any of that, yeah. and you can see it all in his face. He looks truth. like a little boy lost.
0: Yeah, truth really good i got distracted because he's like who wants a sandwich who wants a sandwich and then he's got mustard and peanut butter and i was like he's gonna flip him in a minute like in cocktail but he wouldn't but i really wanted him to like to twizzle the jam or whatever i
1: think he's very funny there when he loses his shit and throws the bread at the window <laughs> i think it's a very funny moment because he's just having a minute he's having a little episode isn't he yeah. and it, and it and it gets it builds and builds and builds peanut butter allergy bang I'm throwing this bread at the window but also
0: I'm I always moan about what's it is it called Greenland the Gerard, is that yes. Gerard Butler thing? so I love films like that but you do very you very rarely see like oh we've got more than one child because your heroes need to be mobile and it is it's easy to pick up one child and run and it's more complicated with two so when you're seeing it with two I do feel even though he's a shit dad I feel really sorry for him because it's like that is a nightmare <laughs> like trying mm. to keep all those plates spinning and trying to be in control I don't blame him for wanting to take them back to mum mm. at all it's
2: um, it's quite a lot at this point. I feel like I've been. I did feel a little bit on this watch that I i get it right now. I'm like Ray is a bad dad, and like it just feels like now it's being ladled on a bit. Like how much he's ladling on that peanut butter. I'm just like I've got it. Yeah, I, I feel like I don't. I want something new to happen at this point, not just more bad, bad dad. Dadness, yeah. Bad dad again. Bad yeah. dad again. Uh, but they're off to the basement uh, for literally what Spielberg intended to do with this movie, which is do close encounters but fucking scary.
1: And... Uh, I said this felt this <laughs> scene felt like Poltergeist to me. Oh okay. my god, so yeah. much yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. In fact, yeah. It's probably the next basement scene that's a little more close encounters yeah. but scary. Yeah, but yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, he said um, uh, in the behind the scenes again when he's developing with David Cope, he said um, he said to him somewhere a seven four seven has to go down in a big neighbourhood. He just had this visual in his in his head and he said, I'm trying to see iconography into audiences' brains and this is what's going to be the moment in this film.
2: Well, it's amazing because when Cruz, Ray, does step out of the house the following morning, he finds himself on the Universal backlot in Los Angeles, walking among the sets there of the 747, which I've actually stood Amongst It is there still to this day, I believe. It's been a few years since I've been, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, it's on the Universal Backlog, which is where they shot this. And it's quite incredible. It's like all there, and you can walk amongst it. Yeah. I mean, I can, because I was uh, doing a bit of filming. You, have to, of VIPs, you, you so. have to stay on the trolley if you're uh,
1: just one of the regulars. <laughs> you
2: can't just jump can't, off. I'm after to see the plane. <laughs> We're not stopping.
1: I'll just combat roll. <laughs> but um, this being PG-13, no bodies. But I know. I, where are all the bodies? Great question. Great question because I wrote this down. I was like,
2: Pete, I've always had a problem with that. I think because it's it got uh, vaporized. Yes, yeah.
1: A Martian heat ray vaporized them. I mean, he said it's because it's a PG <laughs> um, uh, thirteen. But know, he said not but, the first
2: time Spielberg's wrong. <laughs>
1: uh, but he said you know, and obviously he's the the great proponent of this. Showing less allows you to experience more. He said, right, and so okay. your brain will be going over time. But no, I was wondering where there was uh, why there wasn't <laughs> something going on. Uh, we meet a news team now.
0: Mm, uh, how does their van work? Did they fix the <laughs> Whatever it is. solenoid? Solenoid. Solenoid. I'll tell you after. And, uh, yeah, a lot of exposition.
1: So yeah. much. It's just a big dump, isn't it? And it's... Um... I don't know. While I think it's a bit of a p- shame,
0: because she's like, look! And you're like, oh my God, I'm going to see something awesome. And she's like, in that beam of light. You're like, what is it? And it's, she's like, they came down. You're like, I don't, I don't see it. Like, I felt a bit disappointed.
2: I found that bit really scary. Oh, really? The, yeah, <laughs> I found the capsules and the idea of Martians coming down. I'm going to call them Martians, even though they never say these guys are from Mars. But the Martians coming down, I thought that was really scary. I did, I did think... The way she talks about that scene where she's like, "We were just we, we were just at a massive battle," and you're like, "I'd like to have seen that." That's true. That sounds really cool. Yeah. She's like, "Yeah," and the the, uh, the shells were detonating before they hit the machines, and I'm like, "Well, again, I could have done see that. <laughs> that sounds cool." Now you're making me watch some slow down lightning, but sure, <laughs> I, you get it. I mean. David Kep and Spielberg were like, we don't want to go into cliché. And that is a scene that we have literally seen in Independence Day. That, mm. And that did it very well. So it's like, what are you going to do here? Mm. How are you going to do that? It's fun. She just tells us.
1: I mean, I would have said to her, so they put these spacecraft uh, tripods under the ground back in the day. Mm. And they've waited until we've got all this technology to send their pilots down. Mm. Why? Mm. Got a theory coming up about that. Okay, lovely. Got a
2: theory, not mine, one I found online. Uh, so at the end, really weird end to this moment, where the reporter turns to him and goes, were you on that plane? And he's like, no. And she's like, "Ah, oh, that's a shame. Would have made a great story. Which seems to be like the press are pretty cutthroat. Mm. Bye bye. End scene. Mm. It's like why else is that there? Yeah,
0: yeah that it seems is... to be
2: having a go at the the nature of journalism being they don't really think about emotion; they yeah. think about the story.
0: I was expecting them to go. I to go. I've got children. They go. Well, you can have a lift, and then it all turns weird, and, and like you get your Tim Robbins moment earlier. Yeah. which is these people aren't trustworthy, but or do that thing of going uh, of of
2: him going like I'm trying to get to Boston. And her just be her basically sowing the seeds of terror for us, the audience, by going do not go that oh, way yeah, or, or like if you see one of those things take it from me just run yeah. something that makes you go oh my god when we finally come across one of those things again but mm. anywho uh, Robbie sees the plane and this is where Robbie basically goes f- into fight Robbie uh, <laughs> if
1: we had any balls we'd go and find one of those mm. things and kill it I get it His turn. it's just his turn is a bit strange isn't yeah. it it's a bit strange I mean did they, could they should they have set up that he wanted to be a soldier and dad wouldn't let him or something he he's to join the army or it, he they have an argument about that earlier in the film it's just yeah. i know what they're getting at and we'll get into that more but it's i think it, we get a real mixed message from this film
0: it plays as though he's sad and you would be that his house has been destroyed so he's lost his material possessions but he's got all his family and he's on a quest to his mum so that's the most important thing and it reads like oh you wrecked my house like i'm really angry about mm. that but when you know the end of the world is nigh you wouldn't be that bothered about your house i don't think because i was
2: sort of grasping at stuff and i'm like is he is, is, is he so angry with Ray? But it's sort of he's got something else to direct this anger that he doesn't feel in this current situation. He can direct at Ray uh, because you know they're looking after Rachel. They're on this mission, so he's directing it now at the Martians. I mean, uh, what David Kep says is. Um, the attribute of Robbie's uh, is inspired, this attribute of Robbie's is inspired by, uh, David kept seeing teenagers throwing rocks and bottles at tanks in the Gaza Strip, uh, where the passion of these kids is overpowering their logic.
1: Mm. It's like a fight that they can't win, but they're still passionate about mm. it, mm-hmm. that they're still engaging in it. I have some thoughts on this, though, but it's when he, he sort of goes further in that direction later in the film.
2: OK, well, uh, we have the brilliant scene where Rachel goes for a wee and sees all the bodies and the score when the bodies float past, to me, sounds very similar to James Horner's score from Aliens when yeah. they first see the complex, an LV426. Uh, Robbie runs off, not for the first time, not for the last <laughs> time, tries to hitchhike with the army and then has it out for, with Ray. You only chose Boston because you hope Mum is there and you want to dump us on her because you only want to look after yourself true
0: all true fact yeah but played so well that you think I get that I don't hate you for that Ray I totally understand that yeah
2: and and but all the evidence points to yeah, you would be better off with mum. And as yeah. it as it turns out at the end, yeah, she's been living her best life. She's just in a Boston like, yeah, She's just
0: waiting out the whole thing. She's been <laughs> absolutely fine. Not even what? a broken window. It's crazy.
2: <laughs> um,
0: so we get this
1: scary ass crowd scene.
0: This is, is so good. scary.
1: Mm, yeah, is this the guy who made ET? What has happened? <laughs> it's terrifying. <laughs> it is so well shot.
0: You just don't know how it's going to... You've seen this scene a million times, which is like, the real threat is the humans. Like, blah-de-blah-de-blah. Blah, blah, blah. Seen that a million times, and yet, no idea how it's going to end, mm. and no idea how it's going to play out. And then when you get your eye and you're like, okay, fine. Like, it's, someone's going to get killed for that. But, it's
1: essentially what Walking Dead is, as a yeah. TV series, and Last of Us has done it as well. But it's interesting, like, that scene when they're arguing in the car earlier, it, I don't know how he's getting the camera going around that car all the time, but that's anxiety... Just you're watching anxiety brought to life on screen in in within that car, and here it's it's anxiety, but through the roof because it's all around us and this escalation, like the way it escalates, it, every thirty seconds it gets worse. The yeah. situation yep. until that dude is shooting into that car. Yeah, it's just like what just it, that in, that optimism has gone. I yeah. feel like for is Spielberg dead inside now. <laughs> the only it's such a minor thing. But
2: why not? The only bit I, I'm a bit like, nah, is where the guy picks up the gun that Ray's dropped and the way he looks at it, it reminds me of the ape at the start of 2001 that gets the mm. bone and goes, mm. bone kill other monkey, <laughs> bone useful tool to be prominent ape. And uh, he just sort of goes, I think, mm. hang on, I've never known what a gun could <laughs> I think this could do, do something. I think I'm going to... Yeah, I think I'm going to use this. A <laughs> little bit of that. But that's a, a minor problem. Uh, so we get a scene that we talked about in the Mars Attacks episode. Don't listen to that unless you want to hear an entirely joyless trudge through Mars Attacks.
0: Oh, Chris liked it, didn't you? It's a good film, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I've, got, I've got some oh. thoughts
2: about that coming up. Uh, but remember where we were talking about the cows on fire? This is yeah. where that comes from. The train this on fire. This is where
0: that comes from. Right. So I think this is about. a
2: little nod to this scene. You remember when we talked about the cows on yeah, the Yeah, no, stop. I remember
0: that, but isn't Mars Attacks... Is it, oh, is it, wait, which came first, is what I'm saying? Oh, that's
1: a great question. I thought this came first.
0: I don't know. I can't remember. The cows right. on
1: fire comes from the trading cards from the 1950s. That's right, yeah. So this is a train on fire, so this is the other way around. The
0: train on fire is better than cows on fire. Sorry,
2: I was trying to work out what the cows on fire reminded me of. Uh, OK. That's what it was. Oh, I see. Yes, fine. Uh, let's cut that. So... <laughs> no, because I was right. Fine. Don't cut that. Chris was right. Uh, so they're nearing the ferry, and through the speakers is Tony Bennett's... If I ruled the world, every day would be the first day of spring. Weird, mm. weird decision. straight choice. Why are you trying the, to scare people? Do you think people are uh, appreciating some end-of-the-world irony? <laughs> no, uh, no,
0: DJ, don't. read the room. How about saying, the ferry is this way. Hmm? Move along, please. But they are shocking. They're
1: visuals you've not seen before. This is thousands of American refugees yeah. just immediately in the space of 24 hours. Um but yeah, I, th- I think, again, we've got more escalation happening here, haven't we? He, he keeps doing it every d- in 10-minute intervals in this film. That the situations just get worse and worse and worse. Absolutely. I mean, not, there's no boring moment because,
2: thank God, Cheryl's here. Yeah. Who the fuck is Cheryl?
0: <laughs> it's such a coincidence, isn't it? Oh, my God, Cheryl! <laughs> Cheryl! <laughs> <laughs> is that Nora?
2: This is Nora, my daughter. <laughs> are are these,
0: is this Rachel? Is this Rachel Robbie? Oh, she oh, my doesn't God. know him well enough to go, oh, my God, your kids are here. She's like, oh, she says, are these your kids? Uh-huh. So, who who is she to you? Why is she not
2: his neighbour at the start who goes inside because of the wind?
0: with the baby. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Just like, I just... It's sort of weird. It's like, because I... You can't do it as a writer to be like and Cheryl you've got you've introduced her for the first time cuz we just met her Cheryl mid 30s mm. just random lady who he happens to know whatever you can't do it's, that It's
2: just the weirdest decision because I spent the, the first 30 seconds not listening to anything that was coming out of either of those mouths because I was like is that do we have I met her yeah. Did I go to the
0: bathroom And it is difficult cuz the beat is Robbie's a good guy cuz he tries he runs up the ramp to save people Yeah but the other beat is oh people are dying and which is safer the ferry or the drive- Island. And so Cheryl's like, No, wait for me, but you're like, I don't know who you are. I don't I mean I care, mm. but I don't get as much.
2: Yep. Uh we get a tripod introduced through the trees when Rachel goes, Trees are funny. Um Spielberg is an absolute master <laughs> of introducing big scary things with trees moving. <laughs> Honestly, I was watching this going Jurassic Park: The Lost World uh, when Richard Schiff is in that cherry picker, and the two T Rexes are coming for the mobile home thing. And you, the way the trees move, petrifies me. I was like, there's got to be another example. It's the Jungle Cutter in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, that giant Russian machine. Yeah. When that thing is introduced, you just see the tree shaking. Yeah. Knows what he's doing with trees. Okay. Trees are funny. (laughs) Trees are funny. Uh, So uh, Cheryl and Nora leave as quickly as they arrive because they don't make it onto the boat. Uh, A tripod underwater overturns the ferry. The family gets shoved underwater by a car. This is a great action sequence. Yeah ends with something new as well which I like. Now the tripods are pulling people out of mm. the water and disappearing plucked. them. They're getting mm. plucked.
0: I like it. But to be that person, yep. you did you not got oh, I thought you vaporized people. Like
2: But that's why it's exciting because it's like why they've stopped vaporizing people and yeah. now they're keeping them.
0: Why would you vaporize people you wanted to keep ever?
2: Well, I think initially If there's um, lots of people and you're in a position where you might not have. This is a really good question, actually. We'll come to it. But I think maybe they needed people's nourishment now. It's the first time they've got hungry. They've been on Earth for a certain amount of time and they're like, now we're hungry.
0: Yeah. Snack time. It's like clearing the forest, I guess, at first. And then they're like, and now we're peckish. Yeah. Okay.
2: So the family is safe because they literally swam across the Hudson River. I'm a really
0: strong swimmer. (laughs)
2: <laughs> uh, which, so quick why not just do that because when you look back and, and i love the vista but you're like that ferry was in the middle it had barely set off and you swam the hudson sure how With old is <laughs> she yeah uh but when he looks back and honestly this this there's a couple of moments here that i hadn't really picked up on when i saw it. this is only my second watch of this and That bit where the tripod is standing over the town, uh, sort of up on the top of the hill and looking back. And this moment where they look back across the river and you've got the tripods in the foreground, plucking people out of the Hudson. then back in the town. They're vaporizing people at the dock. Then they look to their right and there's people screaming, running down the hill, being vaporized. It's just like it's the first time we've seen the scale of the attack. And because it's being told through the eyes of this family unit, it's the first time they're seeing it. And so you're with them going, Fucking hell, mm. you are fucked, <laughs> mate. Mm. And then it starts raining people's clothes because they've all been vaporized. And there's a deleted scene here, the only one that I could find. Famously called the Camelot scene. And I only mention it because it was meant to be uh they run into a housing um estate and the tripods are slicing open houses. With their lasers and then plucking people out of the houses to keep. And I think they probably cut it because they're like, yeah, they they didn't get round to Mary Ann's house though, did they? Just these houses. Yeah. Yeah, Back in Boston, they forgot to slice open (laughs) the houses (laughs) and have a go at her. Yeah. So uh, we're on to this famous hill scene. Mm. Uh, Robbie running off again. Even Rachel's had enough of this now. Robbie, slow down. Robbie. slow down and then this interaction Ray and Robbie Robbie wants to go up the hill go over the hill Mm. and Ray is like you know I know you feel like you've got to fight Robbie's like I want to be here and I need to see this you have to let me go Mm. and Ray does and I'll be honest I'm a bit confused about the the beat between them in this moment. I don't know what I'm meant to take away from this and their relationship. Like who, uh, what is the lesson here? What's happened? How has it evolved that this is the right thing to happen?
1: Well, for me, I thought it was a commentary on all those young men who signed up for the military after nine 11 mm-hmm. with a because of a sense of duty and a sense of patriotism. Mm. Um, But obviously then they ended up in a war on terror and weapons of mass destruction that didn't actually exist. And so I thought it was sort of an anti-military message, especially when Robbie effectively dies and I think Robbie is dead. And I thought, oh, what an interesting political point to make. And so I feel like the, the rugs pulled out from under me at the end of the film because... I don't know. It feels a lot like that to me. These young men, who very young men, who signed up the next day. That's essentially who Robbie is at this point. Mm. I mean, to me, I just read this because I think this is quite a
2: faithful adaptation of the book. There's a, a, a bit in the original book and a bit in the Jeff Wayne version, which is uh, about a warship on the Thames called Thunderchild, where basically, and they could have played it at the ferry sequence, but they chose not to. And in the in the original uh, story. There's a steamer with a lot of refugees on, and they're about to be attacked by a tripod, and this vessel sacrifices itself, uh, this warship sacrifices itself, so the steamer with the refugees on can escape. And here, you've got all these refugees, and you literally hear one of the military personnel say, oh, this isn't working, our weapons aren't getting through, and someone else goes, our job is to just keep them back as long as possible until these refugees can get to safety, which is the same beat delivered verbally. And you're like, oh, wow. So it can't be too anti-military because these people are literally sacrificing themselves to save this procession of refugees.
0: Yeah, I just think I'd, I missed that. And I haven't seen the military be effective at all. So Robbie wanting to sign up, which I do understand, didn't work for me because it's like you haven't seen them have a positive effect so I don't understand what you think you're going to achieve. And if you were his dad, you'd be like, there's absolutely no way. Yep. But it works because he's got no choice because Rachel is getting kidnapped, in nicely kidnapped kind of thing. So he's got no choice. He has to let him go because he's, got, he's going to lose the other child. But there is absolutely no way that if that wasn't happening, you would let him go. Right. Not in a million years. Um,
2: so it isn't closure then it isn't a decision it's not an active decision he isn't actively letting Robbie go I
0: think in, in some ways like you know let me go he's always called for like I need to grow up and I need to make my own like decisions and my own choices and I'm not a child anymore and all the rest of it it just would make more sense to me even if we lose the sort of the the subplot theme of like the military if he was like I've had enough of you dad you're taking us the wrong way and I want to go and get my mum and I'm going this way and you just have to you just have to trust that it'll be okay like we think different things and that's okay good luck to you whatever but joining the military and then it is brutal because his son goes off to join the army and then in half a second Mm. returns as a fireball (laughs) immediately (laughs)
2: eviscerated it's awful (laughs) there's a really cool shot though where you see literally a row of hummers going up and then you see them all roll back yep. down on fire not sure not sure why I'm not sure about the logic there it's like the Martians rolled them back down on fire Like, there's <laughs> a visual gag for you but, uh, <laughs> but it certainly is a memorable moment should have been cows so should we do this the basement sequence. And I say, should we do this? Because this is the sequence that at the time a lot of people did not like and felt was a turning point for the whole film. Like mm. a lot of people talk about the first half of this movie being epic. Then this scene happens and it's a bit boring and then it never really picks up again. Yeah. So we meet Tim Robbins as Harlan Ogilvy. Ogilvie. Uh, Ogilvie who's an amalgamation of a couple of characters from the book. Mm. Uh, there's a
1: survivalist, isn't there, in the book?
2: There's an artilleryman. He's called the artilleryman, and he's the guy who wants to live underground and build this new world underground. And the narrator goes, oh, this is great. And then he sees all he's done is dug a hole, and that's, that's all the advancement mm. he's made. And then there's a priest character who goes mad because of what he's seen the Martians doing. So he's both these characters, and then takes his name from the actual scientist at the start of First Spots the mountain uh, Mountains, the Martians. So he's an amalgamation of three characters. Weirdly, um, he's unstable, and you know he's unstable because he's got toys on his belt.
0: <laughs> sign,
1: it's a sign.
2: He those are,
1: each one of those belongs to one of his children that died. Right. Oh, is that? That's not in the film, though. Uh, well, that's on his costume, but they don't say it in the film. But that's what those trinkets are.
0: I never believed he had kids. I was like, no, thanks, Peter. I'll take my chances out there. Which like, is my <laughs> second. Which is my second
2: point. Tim Robbins plays crazy up front. There's absolutely nothing where he says,
0: Oh, my family, he's like, Did you lose anyone? All of them. It's like they were never here. If
2: anything
1: happens to your dad, I'll look after you. (laughs) I'm like, What are we leaning into here? (laughs) Yeah, no, 100%. The second time I watched it, and I'd forgotten. And the second time I thought, Oh, this is going to go very bad for this little girl. Yeah, but no, the way they wrote it is he lost his family and it's driven him mad. And th- this should be more sympathetic maybe towards his mental illness he's got this breakdown he's going through. And also uh, as I think Spielberg said he's drinking too much peach schnapps. Well. Yeah, well that's so, what he's as, carrying as around a
0: lover of schnapps yes do not they schnapps. aren't they rude about it he's like do you want a drink and he's like yeah I was like yeah. oh, thank god someone's having a drink like that's obviously the tension yeah. of all of this Where, get me to the drink <laughs> but then he's like oh it's like schnapps or like yolk yeah. or whatever it's like,
2: so what all I got about? I found cases of this shit yeah, yeah. what
0: delicious lovely schnapps no Brilliant. one loves schnapps <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking archers he's probably got some good stuff all Like right. all right With a bit of a kick to it. I only know Archers. That's all I know. Well, you're missing out. Okay. In a cocktail straight. Oh, God, that's a good question. Um, Not really. (laughs) That's not not
1: that
0: good a question. (laughs) There's a nice Aquavit cocktail that Mark makes. I don't know the name of it. Lovely. Uh, Get more Bad Dad Crew stuff. Uh, Bad Dad
2: here. um, uh, Rachel says she won third place in Walk, Trot and Canter. Uh, he wasn't there. Also, Third Place isn't winning, Rachel. Idiot. <laughs> you don't you do win third place. He doesn't know a bedtime lullabies, but he does sing little oh, juice. Cream. I was
0: absolutely dying. I was like, please, for the love of Christ, don't sing. <laughs> a child of that age, I don't think you should be asking to be sung to sleep anymore. It's that's baby behaviour. But also, just say no, I'm not doing that. There's a stranger over there, I'm absolutely not gonna do that. And when he opens his mouth, I thought cause he, you know, Tommy's very funny, I thought he was gonna like do it and then be like I feel ridiculous, and then you undercut the sort of the seriousness of the moment. It's really funny, and then he's like, oh, never. "I was like, I'm dying for everyone. It's horrendous." You don't know, think it's sweet? I don't think it's sweet no. at all. I think it's weird. I think you sing to babies. You sing to baby children.
2: I like being sang <laughs> to.
0: That's so, that's that's the most disgusting thing you've ever sung. <laughs> oh do you pay people to do it?
1: <laughs> I mean, uh, maybe. I don't want to say too much but Oh,
0: my thing. God, it was so great. Do you know, do you
1: know Bright Eyes from Watership Down? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, God. Yep. Yeah. It's oh, a, York. Yeah, but,
2: you know, everyone likes to different things. Everyone's got thing. their everyone, thing. That's why they must be being sung to it. Okay. Uh, so let's talk about what you brought up, Chris. They buried them under our feet, Harlan says, even before there were people here. So... A theory online about this is that the invaders were always interested as humans as food, and mm. when they came here before, we were quite scarce. So they yeah. left their hidden machines, waited and waited until we multiplied to the requisite number. Makes sense. And like then it. Like they came good. and they ate us and harvested us. So Harlan um, is talking about they destroyed some tripods in Osaka, and um, this goes back to what the people were talking about on the walk to the
1: ferry where it was like, oh, Europe's safe. Europe isn't safe. Yes, mm. it, it, misinformation. Uh, uh, yes, yeah. exactly. And that was a big part of what he wanted to put in the script was everywhere they go, they meet another unreliable source for information, yeah. which is something interesting now. We've been through COVID and that was constant, wasn't it? Like, where are you getting information from? And half of it was never true. Yep. And so it's interesting, but you don't really know at the time that the, everyone is unreliable. And so, um, but yeah, that that's the confusion. And that's, I guess that's the point. Uh,
2: what do we think of the mechanical eye that comes into the cellar? and tracks them feels like the first moment in this where it stops being quite grim and real and almost like goes because until now it's been an anti-action movie where it's just been them running from horrible things happening to them mm. and this when he uses the mirror to trick it it's like oh are we in the kitchen yeah, in Jurassic Raptors Park in
1: it is <laughs> it is no it's yeah is it, I wrote down is he paying homage or ripping off himself here I mean
0: I, just to be a bit like nitpicky I like it I like Raptors in the Kitchen so I'm bound to like this But does it mean, and I'm asking because I could be wrong, the tech that this thing is using is visual tech only. It has no sensors. It's not like, oh, I can sense your heat or other things. I can read your body to know that you're behind that mirror. Mm. So it's seeing in, in the way that it sees, and there's nothing else that it does.
2: I mean, you'd imagine so. Again, it doesn't really bear analysis because you then get to that point and you're like, oh, yeah. I think you're
1: just meant to enjoy this moment. I I,
0: that's I, the trouble, isn't it? I thought it might have
1: been a comment on post 9-11 surveillance as well with these, these things coming into our home to, to, to spy on us. Could be. Could be. I don't know. I feel like it's the kind of thing you'd stick in there. I was just like, oh, he's hiding behind a mirror, clever Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> How um, you trick a dog.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's how I Simon all the time I'm not at home Watching TV Behind a mirror <laughs> So Biggest question That I have for you What do we think Of what is introduced now For the first time In this movie oh, We finally see the,
0: I think they look cute yeah, they're Really
2: Really unfortunate. It's yeah. rubbish.
0: Why do they look? They're, they're cute on purpose.
2: So this is this goes back to what you were saying about why are they at one point vaporizing people and at the other point then hoisting people in for food? And the only way I can sort of almost justify this decision to have them as childlike beings that play with bikes and drink water that's draining into yeah. the room is. Because there's something horribly obscene about us as this super sophisticated race being annihilated by basically kids <laughs> in massive machines mm. it's yeah. like really upsetting, like yeah. all we've achieved, and they're babies with just better stuff than us, yeah, like explorers like explorers <laughs> they just to me you want my you want you want the thing you will never be able to unsee uh-huh they like look like a rubbish sill from species,
1: yeah, I wrote down nice eyes,
0: oh mm. uh, yeah,
1: um. It's yeah. just, it's weird. Once you see it, you're like, oh my God, it's the species alien. They've got
0: their big big eyes, yeah. And also, this... do they do drink the water, don't they? Or, they t- or does it touch them?
2: No, it's drinking the water, yeah.
0: So why do they not die?
2: Because that was science.
0: Yeah, that was science, <laughs> but he's like, microbes. Is I mean, not microbes it's like, in water? But it's,
2: they've been, as, you, as they say at the end, from the minute they landed, yeah. they were dying. They oh, just okay. didn't realise it. It's a slow yeah. burn process. Oh, I
0: see, Fine. It's a
2: slow burn process. You are thinking of science. Uh, Yeah. Um, uh, The 1953 version, the reason I won't rewatch it, is because the alien in that, which a similar thing happens. In fact, Spielberg pays homage to that with the shadow appearing on the wall first. Mm. It's a puppet. It's horrible. It's this fleshy pink skin. Uh, It looks like a giant, obscene fetus. (laughs) And it's got this tricolour mechanical eye embedded in its flesh. It's horrible, it's scary, it scared the shit out of me as a kid and it's much better than whatever these fucking things are, <laughs> mates. So, yeah, better 1953. Are you talking about that? Don't oh fuck sake, man! That Honestly, doesn't look. It's, that, uh, that looks cute as well. No, yeah. no it's horrible. That eye, <laughs> that three color eye. It looks like that game you used to play
1: where you have to oh remember my God,
2: the I love that. Bop
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> it looks a bit like Bop it. Yep. Um, I'd tell you something else. I, I obviously the listener won't be able to see this, but I will put it on our Twitter. Uh, I've I enjoyed looking at some of the previews for this film. How terrifying is that?
0: <laughs> Poor Dakota—it's
1: an animated version of Tom and Dakota, and she looks like she's been burned. <laughs> could you could you play them in the N sixty four Goldeneye? But again, it, but the the snake like probe—that's that's an homage to to that to that alien as well. I think and it is. It is. Uh, now we see oh, in a really
2: nasty moment, which is great, where the alien basically drains the blood out of a human a tripod drains the blood outside mm. harlan sees it ray sees it. Mm. it but we don't quite see it it's no just, his head's yeah, obscured yeah, by it's like, great yeah yeah classic classic spielberg classic pg-13 yeah <laughs> uh, moment and uh, so harlan loses his shit starts digging starts shouting is going to alert everyone v in this situation <laughs> as the only one of us with kids what do you, I you do? Tell <laughs> you, I'm telling <laughs> you, Say is the only one that shouts all the time. That's
0: what I thought you were going to say. No. no. How do you avoid getting yourself killed? I thought you were going to say. I mean, say.
2: you're already dead. I am already dead. You drink a dead. case of speech snaps. <laughs> speech snaps, wander <laughs> outside and gets blood sucked.
0: Yeah, I'm already dead. I, it's, I don't know. It feels a bit like what a waste of time. If you were going to kill him, like, he was, like, Just run at the start, just run. Like, you get in his basement, he's lost it, just run anyway, then you don't have to kill him in front of your child. So they they gain nothing because he kills him, and then in about a second it's all over with anyway.
2: In about a second, not only does he kill Harlan, he then nicks Harlan's idea about chopping the thing's head off
1: with an axe. And you're like, that's rude. (laughs) Well, it's also, it's a dark message because obviously... You guys are feeling like Tim Robbins has overacted this and you're not trusting or whatever. The idea is he's supposed to be a man who suffered a great loss and who isn't thinking clearly, and to be murdered for that is actually tragic and quite sort of anti-mental illness really. Yeah. And he should be helping this man. But but also, you know, it's interesting. It's that ethical decision he has to make. And that's what makes this film interesting is that he's the decisions are getting darker and darker as he tries to protect his children. I mean, I, I fully understand the decision.
2: It's like save your daughter by killing this man or risk your daughter's life and don't yeah. kill him. But I don't know. It feels to me it's like no, I'm, it feels like there are more options on the
1: table. It doesn't feel like his back is yeah. against the wall enough to do this thing. But Do we ever properly see them standing next to each other? Because I would say Tim Robbins is twice the size of Tom Cruise in real life. It doesn't look like it here. Maybe Tom, maybe Tim Robbins is bending down because there's low walls. But um, yeah, that man would tear his arms off. Huh.
2: But again, we don't see we don't see Harlan go for a knife, go for a blade. We, like it literally.
1: It's He's n- trying to dig a tunnel to the New York subway, and that's subway. what I mean. What yeah, I mean, yeah.
2: it doesn't even give us that Agreed. moment where you're like, "Oh well, Ray may not have like wanted to kill him, but then that happened and it yeah. escalated." It's yeah. like it's genuine cold, cold blooded murder. Uh, so, we're into the final stretch now. This takes a moment. So, he finds a grenade belt, allows himself to be captured by a tripod, gets through, sucked through that
1: orifice thing. Mm. Lucky dick, the claw! <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it, that's full-on horror, though. That's a full-on horror sequence yeah. where one by one you're getting picked and drained. Yeah, And then he's pulled the pins out of the grenade like oh. Ethan
2: Hunt. Yeah. And bang! Tripod down. Um, so, it's a very strange theory. Uh, well, not strange theory. He's dead. Is this the one? No, go on. What
1: Tell me. The this. theory that I read um, is that in the moments the grenades go off, uh, he dies. Right. And the rest of the film is. Kind heaven. of heaven, yeah, because actually, from here on in, it's very positive and, and it all goes very well for him, yeah, including his son coming back to life. Oh
0: my god, and yeah. his in
1: laws who hate him smiling at him, and his wife happy, <laughs> yeah, and the, the aliens and all go, he's he lit cl- like yeah. he's lit, no, he's lit like with a halo around yeah, you're him, right. and so yeah, we just watched him die.
0: Okay, holy, I like shit. That. that's great.
1: That is brilliant. Yeah. That makes
0: a lot more sense. Oh, he sp-
1: spotted the birds on the full screen. <laughs> look spoon. at
2: the bird. <laughs> uh, so, uh, like you said, Ray and Rachel get to Boston. Oh, yeah. Tripods are collapsing. Ray shouts at her shoulder look at the birds, no shields, you idiot. Um, we see an alien fall out of its tripod. This <laughs> it looks It looks <laughs> fucked. I mean, it's had it. There's no way Absolutely hammered. Yeah. Uh, I was playing with a bike earlier. and <laughs> plan on this.
1: Uh, we make it back to Marianne's parents' house. Like you said, bathed in autumnal mm. light. Uh, if they aren't dead and this isn't his heaven, this is very much suddenly Spielberg going back to where he used to me. be. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I've got to have a God, fairy yeah. tale. Sorry about that. <laughs> Anyone want some sentimentality? <laughs> Bang. Bosh.
2: Uh, and not unlike the end of Man on Fire Dakota Fanning has been returned to a mother by a hero man by the end of the film <laughs> uh,
0: when she says thank you it's so weird like they're your kids <laughs> it is your responsibility to keep them safe she didn't want them she didn't want them <laughs> she's <laughs> overcompensating
2: for the fact that she's hidden in Boston made no attempt to yeah. get them back at all just stayed indoors going fucking hell yeah. good luck out there kids
0: but also I, mean, I do mean that but I also mean it's his responsibility too so when someone enacts their responsibility sorry it follows through on their responsibilities, you don't say thank you, you say good, you did it, that's great, but not sure. thank you, it's so strange, because
2: well, thank
0: you makes it seem optional in some ways, like she could have said, oh, I understand that you ditched
2: him. I can help with your confusion right. uh, on this subject, but because uh, Morgan Freeman pops back up at the end, <laughs> Here we go. Uh, to, Here we uh, go. Uh, to remind us that Marianne basically did just set out the invasion in lavish surroundings yeah. and say... Neither do men live or mm. die in vain. Yeah, thanks, we were doing all we were doing all the shits. Yep, you we were. Just, it's your
0: uh, mess, quite frankly.
2: It's it's not. We fixed it though. <laughs>
1: we fixed you it. We fixed it with microbes. <laughs> but I do love that concept. We found them. That all of us who died through the thanks, years <laughs> of all those diseases was for a reason. I like that yeah. as a, as a, as a theory. Yep, as an ending. Yeah, we have earned our place on this planet by billions of <laughs> <kids>. <laughs> neither Neither do men or boys or old men live or die in vain. <laughs> you're, dogs, you're welcome. Neither do men or dogs <laughs> live or die yeah. in vain. It would yeah. be
0: that order. Oh God, women, fuck, <laughs> women? Right, men, dogs, women.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> that we, we need to re-edit every action movie.
0: Men and
2: women, no, men and children, dogs <laughs> first. Uh, now listen, um, unless there's any more I think we should do the bits. Yes. Sure. Great. Let's do the bits.
1: Best scene, Chris. Surprised myself this time, what I chose. Um, I think the scene where they lose their car, that escalation, it just had me completely on the edge of my seat. And it's it's just what what a master craftsman Steven Spielberg is, that he can create, create so much terror and horror in this escalation of what is something that doesn't have anything to do with the aliens. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm picking. V?
0: The same. Oh, okay, well, interesting. Same. I just think it's the most effective. And I, I hate it when it's like, oh, but the real thread comes from us. But Agreed. it's just brilliantly done. It felt real. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: mine is Ghostbusters at the end of Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, the tripod coming out of the ground. Ah, sure. He's good. The whole setup to that, the whole building, the ratcheting of tension. And then when the tripod appears behind those trees, and I'm just, oh, love it. Love it. Uh, most valuable what? ever be
0: so i do enjoy tom cruise as a deadbeat dad because it's quite unusual um but having said, I didn't see this first time around and I do remember all this fuss about this child who was just so good and could hold her own with the biggest movie star in the world and all the rest of it. Now, she, Dakota Fanning does a ton of screaming and the screaming really gets to me. But when she's given stuff to do that isn't precocious, supernaturally sort of insightful child, which is obviously a Spielberg thing, or just screaming her head off, mm. she is. It's unbelievable. Like, you can't... you I still can't believe what I'm seeing her and her fucking sister has come to that like it's unreal that kids that can that can ever do that like they can do proper acting That it, it blows my mind I can't imagine what they're like to talk to these children, like when they're that age, like. Yeah. And they've grown up, and they seem alright. I don't you know, like, like doing
1: it much. I, if I'm asked to interview a child actor, I try and get someone else to do it. I find it weird. What
0: do you say to them? Exactly. Like, are you alright? Like, what's <laughs> no, going not, on? No, not
1: choice. Sure. Sure.
0: <laughs> so yeah, Dakota Fanning. Because it's it's unbelievable. She is
2: fantastic. Honestly, my my most goosebumps moment is that when I said at the start, she's like, screams, what do you mean? We're going to die. It's just a great moment. Chris, Dakota Fanning. Wow. Okay. Two for Dakota Fanning. Uh, Mine is um, Spielberg and or Janusz Kaminski, his D.O.P., uh, long-time D.O.P., because this isn't a movie I love as a whole. But there are some visuals, moments in this movie, especially with the tripods, the vista back across the Hudson, the tripod at the top of the hill, the tripod appearing that I just think looks spectacular. Um, Do you like that weird
1: sheen that's over the whole film?
2: I don't mind it, and I didn't didn't like it initially because it feels a bit overpoweringly grim, like the whole sort of like the way it's shot. Mm. But actually, no, uh, there are moments in it that I I love. Uh, So the two of them working together, they they, they should do that a lot. They do. Uh, What would you change? If you could
1: change anything in this movie, Chris, what would you change? I mean, I'm sorry, but I did want to see Ray operate a crane. Yes. um, Against the aliens at some point. I mean, it would be, then everyone would go, well, you've just done fucking aliens with Ripley, obviously. But... Otherwise, I don't know why we set this up. I don't know why I've watched him operate a crane at the start of the film. For quite a long
0: time, considering. He's high
1: up, and then later he's
2: high up with a a tripod. Everyone else is high up, though, and (laughs) no one's scared of the height. Uh, Did did they drop hand grenades in an orifice? (laughs) That's my takeaway. (laughs) V, what would you change if you could change anything?
0: Oh, it's a big one. Unless he, unless he dies i think robbie can't come back oh 100 yeah
1: that is such bullshit yeah it's uh,
0: when he runs out dad i called me dad what the fuck it's, it's a like, shitty
1: thing to do to an audience as well yeah to, to effectively show him die and then have him miraculously, miraculously come
0: back to life because not he, got, he's not got a burn on him and also that's the thing if he went to sign up to the army and they literally come rolling back down the hill half a second later on fire yeah. he could have after his dad if he's that alright like why did he not try and find his dad he's yeah. just gone I'll go and get it's mum my hard. own way so hard. I think you have to kill Robbie and, and, and- get
2: back before you <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> beat you yes. yes yes. where have you been I think it's a really hard sell and I understand why you wouldn't do it but you know Ray learns a lesson which is Robbie is gone but he went through his- it's harsh and weird but it's like he went through his own choice he was allowed to grow up be a man make his own decision his decision did get him killed but that's part of learning to let children grow and let them make their own decisions sure. Sure. Yeah. And it's harsh. Yeah. But it, it's I... weird because when Mary Anne comes out, she's like, "Oh my God, Rachel's here!" And because she doesn't instantly go, "Where's Robbie?" Like you've got two kids. You're like, "Well, has she forgotten about him?" And then he comes out. He's like, "Hey!" Like it's such just. It's Eating you can't toast. have it all. Hi <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey guys. Uh, I uh, I
2: I disagree slightly. I think because the film has been quite unrelentingly grim I know. and hard at this point. By this late stage, you kind of do want to leave on a little bit of hope. And The a little hope bit of-
1: is that he's got back in one piece with his daughter to his family with
2: half his baggage, yeah, baggage. half his
1: belongings <laughs> we've grieved we've Not grieved but we've grieved with him and we've got I don't know we've gone through this we with did, him yeah. and, and the moment is being reunited with what's left of your family Yeah. and then for him to pop his head round the coast, oh, f- f- fuck off <laughs> hi dad <laughs> I call you dad now as well by the way
0: <laughs> because uh, we've bonded because, and mended because uh, yeah. you let
1: me go and get blown
0: up uh, <laughs> uh, well
2: mine is uh, very quickly uh, the, the subspeakable she's alien design. So uh good, we we went big on
1: Robbie. Right then. So
0: Uh that's it. Uh, these were my, my choices. choices. <laughs> At least you can't bear it to do it and you were trying to sabotage yeah, me
1: come on alex right, yeah
0: right. you're not These, gonna i know you're not what, gonna give her
1: some credit <laughs> the, well not credit but give her just <laughs> space <laughs> give her space look men neither live or die invade
0: yeah give a woman space actually <laughs> is a good lesson well, actually that yeah. is
2: a great lesson <laughs> <laughs> but not but not
1: a parking space
2: because we'll get it wrong and, and give her a microphone to sing to you <laughs> give, her, give a woman a microphone and she'll sing to you
0: <laughs> um it's time for the verdict You want answers?
2: I think I'm entitled. You want
0: answers! I want the truth! I did it. (laughs) I did it. Spelt it it by saying I did it. No, um, uh, it just adds a little little crunchiness to it. So, now listen, what's happened is I've changed my mind. Excellent. So, I've got my verdict... So this is what I'm going to do. Uh, I think I know what you're going to do. So I'm just going to walk you through my thought process. Okay. So when I wrote this out, I think they're both flawed for logic. You're doing your verdict i I'm first. doing it first. This yeah. is not
2: really. Normally we... No, this is Ooh, fine. Once no again, it's fine. Yeah, it's once fine. again, thank you, oh, Chris.
0: Did oh. I ask? I didn't. Oh, so, okay,
2: fine. So <laughs> I'm just making note for, for future. It's normally, you know, it's sort of like... You don't
1: need to criti- critique her while she's doing it. Thank no. you. No,
2: no, no. I just thought, I thought the person whose movies it was yeah. always gave it to the other people. She's uh, trying she's trying to set up
1: jeopardy right fine
0: yes so here we go so I think they're both flawed for logic I think both the aliens are undone by implausible vulnerabilities I do not like M. Night in his own movie at all but the dad stuff was brilliant but then Tom Cruise being a shit dad is good so initially I chose it based on the tension in fact yeah I'm going to switch back because yeah (laughs) War of the Worlds is tense as fuck like it's unbearable my anxiety was through the roof because you project you're like I couldn't do that and I couldn't do that and I couldn't do that because I've got all these kids to tow around so I I'm going to choose. Also, Signs is a lot of watching other people watch telly, if we're honest, which we didn't (laughs) didn't really cover. So I'm going to pick War of the Worlds. There we go. So sorry, I talked to myself in and out of that one. Okay. So not you, you please, Chris. Okay. Uh,
1: Signs is very contrived and it's very manipulative and it's very silly. Uh, War of the Worlds is a good film that suffers from watching on my telly this time. Not the same experience. Um, Independence Day, Mars Attacks, and World War Z are better adaptations of War of the Worlds than War of the Worlds is. (laughs) Um, Signs is the film that sucked me in like an absolute dunce this time. Uh, I'm going for Signs because I just think it's a great movie. Jeopardy created. Right. Thank you. That's... (laughs) What do you want me to but say?
2: What then? do I have to do? I literally looked at you and went, Jeopardy created as in well done. What you you're t- doing, you're correcting a problem you created. <laughs> do you see the issue? Is that not a good thing? Oh god! It's like talking to a wall. He's <laughs> <Is laughs> correcting a problem that I've created not a good thing? That, was like, that would be just, like making a mistake and never undoing it. Just don't make a
1: problem. Also would, it would have been better if you hadn't had that weird breakdown when you were describing <laughs> your one.
2: That's
0: so it, true. it didn't sound like you were being that strategic. <laughs> That's Very true, very true.
1: Great. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Go so ahead. Come on, Alex, just fucking pick I'm signs and get on with it. I'm fucking doing it!
2: <laughs> Jesus! War of the Worlds, I'd say, is an interesting film on the Spielberg CV. It's downbeat, it's grim, it paints something close to what it might be like in the aftermath of an invasion. But while that coldness is fascinating and that it comes from sentimental Spielberg, I have quite an emotional detachment to that movie, and I did not enjoy it in an emotional way. I didn't cry at the end when Robbie comes back. Signs, Bit silly. But I like silliness. I like the fact it's a great film to understand the structure of a script because everything it sets up, it pays off in the most obvious way possible. Uh, And the fact that the Thai movie is, in fact, about coincidence. So, mainly, I like being transported to that farmhouse. I get emotional at the end. What I didn't tell you on Monday, it is my favourite M. Night film overall and even though and I can't believe I'm saying this they killed two
1: dogs signs is my winner this so, week so symbol wins it so, signs so I get it's
2: confusing isn't it uh, question mark <laughs> uh, so yes
0: <laughs> signs is our winner
2: another you know, uh,
1: close one this week uh, though to be close. fair
2: very close uh, and don't forget you can have your say and tell us how right or wrong we got it when the listener poll goes up on Twitter mm. now let's look Ahead to, a lot of people were a bit shocked about uh, the old Fugitive the other week, a couple of weeks ago. Should have voted. Fugitive and Gone Girl, very mm. close. Gone Girl did win, but the yeah. Fugitive, very close. Okay. Very close. Uh, right, next week, yeah, uh, the clue I gave on Monday. Second isn't winning, as you said about third <laughs> earlier. Well, third is even less winning. Uh, so the clue I gave on Monday is, was rather, a band apart... Which means next week, we are doing a band apart. We're putting the band together or back together. It's Blues Brothers versus The Commitments. Both are available to rent to all sorts of places online. So do your homework. Blues Brothers on Monday. The Commitments on Thursday next week. Uh, In the meantime, do subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back with part one of next week's Clash, talking the Blues Brothers. Until then, have a lovely weekend. Bye-bye.
0: Clash of the Titles is a Stack Production and part of the Acast Creator Network.